Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Lifestyle with Dr. Moby. And today we are honored with great guest, very well experienced in her field, Rihanna Millen, right? I yes. hope my name is correct. Hi, and Dr. Moby. Hello, everyone. Yes. Okay, thank you for coming to our show. And let's hear from you a little bit of your achievements or accomplishments so we can have my listeners listen into that. Sure. Well, in year 2000, I took a traditional route and got a triple master's degree in applied clinical and counseling psychology and became a LPC licensed professional counselor and LCADC licensed certified drug addictions counselor and SAC student assistance counselor. I opened my own practice in South Jersey called Therapy by the Sea, but mm -hmm. also worked with many populations, kids in every grade levels of school, kindergarten through college, a mental health unit in a hospital with kids and teens ages five through 19, women from the prison system and teens in a drug and alcohol facility. So in all these combinations, working with many different ages, backgrounds and diverse cultures uh, with their trauma. Uh, childhood trauma and the same traumas kept coming up over and over again. But it was when I endured a love trauma mm -hmm. that I went into the research to find out what my partner had. The last thing he had said was, I don't know why I sabotage everything I love. And I mm -hmm. said, I don't either, but I'm going to figure it out. So it was my research that discovered unhealed unconscious childhood trauma. Uh -huh. And it was so fascinating and so important, the work that I said, I have to take this globally. And I started writing my number one best-selling book, Love Beyond Your Dreams, Break Free of Toxic Relationships to Have the Love You Deserve, and Live Beyond Your Dreams from Fear and Doubt to Personal Power, Purpose and Success. And they are sister books meant to go together. And I'm also a podcast host, podcast host and educational speaker and um, accomplishments. I just heard last week I was nominated one of the top 100 women in business globally. Wow. Yeah, which is wow. a great honor. And we also recently had uh, International Women's Day. Well, I'm happy and let's celebrate. That yes, today. yes. Thank you. <laughs> For sure. You know, I always admire, uh, you know, especially independent and uh, well accomplished like yourself, because, you know, it is a man's world, unfortunately. And, you know, my wife is a professional physician and I know that from firsthand that how much there is a difference between uh, how they are treated or how uh, we are treated. So yes. uh, that's, that's the reality. Thank you. Uh, you know, and she, of course, um, she works and I understand completely. I mean, I could tell you same same phone order. If I'm giving to a nurse, they will take it very differently. Same order, exact same. And they would uh, question her. So that's how it is. Well, uh, we appreciate your support. All women need support from great men like you. So thank you. Yeah, well, it's it, and uh, we are honored. And reality is that uh, you all uh, stand with your own um, intellect. Is uh, you know, uh, if I were let's say change the rules, if you were men and I was, and so it would have been same. Too. Should be same. Uh, the, I think women should get same pay. Should should get. Yeah, we should. Same. So. so <laughs> So there is nothing uh, we should just throw under the carpet and say, 
that you know uh, no you are independent that you are accomplished and uh, you know like any if if it was instead of another guy i'm talking to i would say same so but the sad thing is if we don't change that if if it's not changed um this perception then i'm sorry but you know there's a lot of work has to be done you know right still right. that's true yes and uh, you know so you're very well accomplished as people can already understand that uh, bestseller great author and so but I, I i want to ask you you know i i know you touched a little bit about that so where did you feel that you had to enter this genre or this side of education or supporting or whatever we call it helping everyone what changed you from your normal life to go into this field uh since i was a teenager i always wanted to be a counselor i read vogue magazine because i was doing a lot of modeling and oh. psychology today so it was a lifelong dream as a young person mm -hmm. um and so i ended up going to first penn state and broadcast communications and then second and later years at age 37, I went back for my master's in applied clinical psychology and got a triple master's at that time so I could go into private practice. Mm -hmm. um, I always had a deep feeling for teens that were going through tough times, who were bullied, who didn't fit in. I was bullied as a kid. And I remember in the baby boomer generation asking my mom if I could go to a counselor and she said, no, no one in our family will ever go to a counselor. Mm. And I said, then I'll grow up and become one. <laughs> so it was always one of those dreams that I wanted to do. Plus, mm -hmm. I also had um, a trauma as a child at age 16. My very best friend from childhood, all those years from five to 16, he was killed by a drunk driver. And oh I went through a lot of depression and I went to talk some to someone and I wasn't allowed to. Mm -hmm. So coaching and counseling to help people going through hard times was always a part of my goals and my desire as a young person. And to help heal, I started listening to what I would call the masters, Tony Robbins, Deepak Chopra, the Dalai Lama, um, Marianne Williamson, studying the course of miracles. So it was a combination of spirituality and the mindset for success. Mm -hmm. And that really helped me to heal and to grow and to get really attached to my dreams and goals. Mm -hmm. And at age 26, because I was modeling as a teenager, I opened up a model and talent school and agency in a small town, Erie, Pennsylvania. Wow. And these small town people wanted to had big star dreams, you know? So teaching them what they had to do as a model or actor, singer or dancer, and also teach them how to, um, you know, audition properly and the skills that they needed to be and excel as a talent and also teach the mindset for success. So they weren't thinking I'm just small town. They had to think I can make it anywhere. So that's what the, the mindset has been used since my twenties. And a lot of my, my talent was put on the map, including my daughter who sings on three multi-platinum CDs and was wow. a host for a couple of TV shows. And now she coaches around the world and is in Forbes and Inc. Inc. Magazine is one of the top 11 female millennials changing the world. So very nice. Very nice. Yeah. 
It, it works. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. no, we will be honored. Maybe we will have her one day too. So, so she can uh, also <laughs> give us uh, some uh, of her accomplishment. Sure. Uh, you. And uh, talking about Erie, Pennsylvania, actually, I, I am from also, I was educated there, or did residency with uh, Pittsburgh, uh, UPN. So oh, that's sure. part of uh, a resident from Erie, Pennsylvania. So, and I passed myself from that area. So I know firsthand how big it is or what is a town look like. Um, certainly, it's, uh, and I love the lake. <laughs> yeah. So I have, uh, gone above uh, many times uh, Lake Erie we used to be in Michigan area uh, so every time I would fly over I fly myself so I fly over Lake Erie gorgeous gorgeous just to look at and just you know it's scary lake <laughs> it, it was funny you know when I open they'll say a talent agency will never go here and I'm there watch me and I had it successful for 10 years. Within the first six months of opening, I won Model and Talent School of the Year, an international award. And I represented commercial real people actors from ages five through 80. My 80-year-old was one of my busiest booked models. She oh did senior God. banking and hospital systems and retirement homes billboards, you know, she was having the time of her life. So, you know, there's fashion types and then anyone can do commercial real people. So that was really a fun business. But then after 10 years, I'm like, I really want to be a counselor. And my kids are getting settled now. And I went back to school in later years to do that dream. Now, with that uh, reminds me, you said 80-year-old was a busiest model. I said that reminds <laughs> me why. You know, she, uh, you know, she was the most busiest uh, sitcom uh, person. Uh, oh, you know. yes. Betty White. Yeah, She's Betty amazing. White. Yes. So she reminded, your comment actually reminded me of Betty White. I said she's, she's one of a kind. You know? And I know you're all about promoting dreams. So, you yeah. know, we can remind our listeners it's never too late to go for your dreams yeah, and your yeah. goals. Yeah. Well, look, look at me. I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, started in my 20s. So I started um, showbiz in 50s. So. <laughs> so, you know, you can start whenever you feel like doing that's right that you love, uh, keep doing. That's it. I mean, of course, I was doing medicine all my years. And now I said, okay, I'm still doing medicine. But I said, now I want to do something to promote education, promote health, promote bringing persons like you to teach us about relationships. So let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, some of the childhood traumas. I know it is one of a very important topic actually, and a lot of mental health, um, you know, and by the way, I, I have done a lot of years in in uh, Department of Defense as well as, uh, so I deal with kids too, um, you know, we have a lot of uh, mood disorders. Um, okay. So I know exactly firsthand, uh, my practice used to be also a pediatric, so adolescence pediatric, and a lot of uh, issues we feel, uh, you know, they are actually very well related to childhood trauma. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about for educational purpose only, of course, uh, to educate people about what it is and how it can affect. 
Sure, sure. Well, childhood trauma is, according to the research, nine out of 10 people have experienced at least one to three of the top 10 traumas. There mm -hmm. are more than 10. Mm -hmm. And it also goes through at least three generations. So as I go through the list, if you feel you had childhood traumas, most mm -hmm. likely so did your mom and dad, and so did their parents. As mm -hmm. a matter of fact, recent research showed those people who were survivors of the Holocaust their gene DNA has been passed down with mm -hmm. anxiety and trauma from that, you know, horrific experience. But, mm -hmm. you know, as I go through the top 10, I want to remind our listeners, this is not about blaming mom and dad at this stage yeah. of your life, or it's not about feeling ashamed or embarrassed that you might have experienced them. Mm -hmm. Because really, we're young and we're innocent. We're just a product of our environment. And Children are very brilliant. They learn, as you know, coping mechanisms to help survive the, the, the environment of which they're growing up in, right? Mm -hmm. So we're trying to just look at these as facts. Did this happen to you or did this not? And I developed a childhood trauma checklist based on all these populations that I worked with mm -hmm. after I went through love trauma. And, you know, looking up love trauma is definitely correlated to the childhood trauma that you experienced. So here we go. The first one is when you were young and innocent, did, was there any addiction in your parents or caretakers? So we're talking drugs, alcohol, sex, meaning you knew your parent was a cheater and you might have been the holder of that secret, mm -hmm. porn, gambling, hoarding, spending, eating, gaming, TV watching, uh, workaholism, and now even social media. These mm. addictions could have stood in the way of the parent-child bond. The second one is verbal abuse or verbal messages. So you could have watched mom and dad fighting a lot verbally. They could have been yelling at you verbally, or it even included not hearing the words, I love you. Mm -hmm. or not hearing, great job, I'm proud of you. Instead, you mm -hmm. heard a lot of verbal put downs. I know with my modeling agency, I had a girl, Jennifer, she was a large size model. She was size 23 and mm -hmm. she wanted to be a model. And she mm -hmm. came to me, she do you think I can do this? I said, I think you can do whatever you put your mind to, but mm -hmm. I'll need you to be about a size 16, 18 with my help. Are you ready to do that? She goes, yes, I am. So her family was laughing at her. You're throwing your money away. Look in the mirror. You're fat. You'll never do this. She became a Ford special size model and made a lot of money, <laughs> you know? So it, again, the childhood messages of she could never do it. Mm -hmm. And someone who believed in her telling her she could very important. Yeah. Verbal messages. The third one is emotional abuse or neglect. Mm -hmm. The fourth one is physical abuse, rape or molestation. And these things could have happened inside or outside of the home. Any of these traumas, because you could have had a perfect family relationship at walking to school every day, getting beat up by the town bully. Mm -hmm. So, you know, any of these could have happened. The next one is abandonment. And I identify two types, fault and no fault abandonment. So a no-fault abandonment would be something like a parent who happened to die early mm -hmm. or one that is over in war, um, you know, fighting for our country. And I remember during the Afghanistan war, I'm working in an elementary school as a SAC counselor, mm -hmm. student assistance counselor, working with traumatic kids or upset kids. Mm -hmm. And they would just emotionally blank out. 
They couldn't learn. They were so worried, is my mom or dad going to come home alive? And these kids were then identified ADHD. And I said, they're not ADHD. They're going through a trauma right now, a mm -hmm. separation anxiety, this trauma of this absentee parent. Mm -hmm. And they can't think of anything else. And when trauma is up, so is cortisol and mm -hmm. memory and learning goes down. So I was doing a lot of things in early 2000, like meditating with my students, doing music therapy, doing positive behavioral uh, modification charts um, and things that were never heard of in the schools to help them calm down the trauma in their brain and their body so they actually could learn better. Mm -hmm. um, really important for our school leaders to know. Then um, after that one there, uh, another example would be a parent that supported the family by traveling a lot. And that was one of mine because I remember asking, when's dad coming home? My mom didn't know where he was. Well, he didn't tell the family, but years later we find out he was FBI and CIA oh, and wow. doing jobs that he could not tell the family about to protect us. Okay. And like, oh, okay, that's where he was, <laughs> you know. Um, so that was interesting. And then no, uh, uh, a fault abandonment mm -hmm. would be if the parent was never involved with a child, if they were involved up to the point of the marital or couple breakup. Mm -hmm. And even if the parent is in the home but not connected, not involved emotionally, we mm -hmm. call that an emotional abandonment. So in private practice, I used to see a lot of kids and they would come to me. It's like, oh, I have to go to custody to see my dad. I don't even know why I bother. He's sitting in front of the TV watching football all day. He barely talks to me. I'm in my room just on my computer. So that's that empty feeling of he doesn't even want to be with me. Right. Uh -huh. That's, yeah, that's the emotional that's abandonment. Right. So, yes. so you could be there all day, but if you're not engaging... And that kind of brings in an important topic to with COVID actually in reference, which is kind of new thing now, um, is with COVID a lot of relationships actually either turned sour or became uh, more stronger, depending on you know what was the boiling point before and after. That's so, true. And COVID is an example of trauma number nine, which is community trauma. So yeah. everyone around the world is experiencing this trauma. Um, our students, we're going to have to take a look 10 to 15 years into the future, how this isolation, uh, fear of getting sick, fear of germs, fear of death may play out, that lack of safety. Other community traumas are our mass shootings, our school shootings, our mother nature events, floods, fire, hurricanes, tornadoes. And that feeds into the other part of trauma nine, which is family trauma. So if you lose your job due to COVID, now they're struggling at home and they're worried about losing their house or paying their bills. Mm. Other family trauma is you might've had a parent that was incarcerated. You might've grown up in a, a dangerous neighborhood or hearing all these lack messages around finances. Mm. It could be if you're a part of the military family moving every two to four years, thus you're always the new kid in school, mm. which oh, is, I yeah, trauma number seven. That's which is personal trauma. And that's the one most people can identify with. That's if you feel different or you don't fit in. Mm -hmm. So this is like our LGBTQ 
clients are teenagers, you know, trying to come out and be accepted. It could have been the chubby, overweight child that was teased or the skinny, gawky one called the nerd. It could have been someone with asthma who had to walk around with the inhaler or that student identified as ADHD having to be pulled out for special classes. I mean, there's so many ways to relate to this. It could have been a racial and cultural difference, right? The only African-American in all Caucasian school, just feeling different, not fitting in. So, so many people can relate to trauma number seven. That is true. And I think uh, main important focus on this is I'm glad you're doing very comprehensive and which is great because uh, for people to realize that First of all, not everybody will have effect from all these traumas we have listed because, you know, like uh, we are genetically unique, everyone is. Uh, right. Some can be a very good tolerant with one, certain stresses, but another one could be a big factor in their uh, having some of these symptoms. Uh, so, which is, but it is important to know that everything can affect differently everyone so yes. one uh, so so when we i think we, uh, in medical profession when we do these interviews and we also listen is some basic principle remains same which is listening all what they have to say and also and of course love is a universal language which kind of builds a lot of good things always um, right you know so so listening and helping them and understand their own body. So their own mechanism, mm -hmm. their own defense mechanism, their own actually help anyone to deal with this, you know. My, my master's thesis uh, was a part of this, which I did years before being an expert in trauma recovery. Mm -hmm. And it was about <clears throat> how to raise um, confident teenagers Mm -hmm. and teach them resiliency to mm -hmm. increase uh, self-esteem and confidence and decrease high-risk behaviors. And that thesis is now written in 14 different languages around the world. So it's all about the importance of resiliency yeah. and helping kids to be resilient. And very often the parents aren't around to help them do that. So our educators and the counselors in the schools or our coaches sometimes are the frontline people to teach these very important skills that our kids need because what's going on in our world today. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, I think uh, that it brings an important topic that anyone can do few good tips always is that, you know, uh, be kind and listening and helping and promoting that because so, so the general principles which you can apply, pretty much anyone can apply, it doesn't matter. And then, uh, you know, sympathizing or at least paying attention right uh, to your teenager or to your anyone kids or you know maybe yes spending a little more extra time with them uh, very important yeah really to see the signs of asking for help and with our teenagers there's two types of personalities we have the externalizers and the internalizers so when the internalizer is going through pain, this is the type I saw at uh, Atlanta Care Hospital, they would be the kids that are suicidal, cutting, self-mutilating, um, taking drugs and alcohol in secret. You know, they were very secret and suffering in silence. The externalizers were more the angry kids. 
the runaways, the acting out, getting in trouble uh, with petty crime, those types of things. These are all signs of needing help. So if you see signs of your kids needing help, get them to an online coach or a counselor, somebody that they feel they can talk to. I know a lot of people like working through the computer because they didn't like coming into a counseling center where other people are looking at them. So whatever type of help you get, if your teen has been traumatized, do get a CCTP, Certified Clinical Trauma Professional that's used to working with high degrees of trauma in, in kids. Um, but it's important that you do something and not ignore the signs for sure. Yeah, for sure. And then also brings the important topic is you know, uh, if when these grow up and they be, uh, let's say if somebody, not they, but if somebody has these sociopath or some of difficult uh, personality traits, um, why would, uh, you know, they kind of attract each other or somehow we are attracted to them? Can you? Yes, that? that's true. That's what happens. People of trauma usually attract people of trauma. And unfortunately, in, in most societies, but especially in America, when we were growing up, we learn you fall in love by the nursery rhymes, the fairy tales, the romance movies. Yeah. So Sleeping Beauty, the handsome prince comes, wakes her up with this magical kiss, and they go off and they're happily ever after. So mm -hmm. we learn to fall in love by chemistry. And unfortunately, what chemistry really does is the brain is lighting up when it recognizes behavior that is normalized and repetitive, right? Mm -hmm. So it usually will draw you back to the behavioral patterns of your parents, mm -hmm. good or bad. So if there was some toxic things going on in that household, uh, this is like the, the woman had drawn to the male that was gregarious and outgoing and drank a lot. And then her father was the same way and an alcoholic. And she would say, I would never have picked an alcoholic. And here I end up with one, you know, again, the soul and the psyche picks out what is knows, what is comfortable. Also, it's also a pattern that if you fix it, then you have fields, you know, you have uh, healed the childhood patterns. This is what a lot of people think. So you have to really be careful and understand that chemistry or what I just call the attraction factor is just the icing on the cake. You really need to know who somebody is. You need to take your time, get the foundation of friendship there first, really know what you're doing in dating, which I call conscious dating and answer, asking the right questions to see if this person is good for you. Because without that substance, that cake, the icing just melts. You've got nothing. So it's really important. So some of the dynamics that show up in these love relationships, mm -hmm. let's talk about jealousy and control. Mm -hmm. This is if somebody had trauma number seven and trauma number two, the okay. verbal messages of you're just no good or change your clothes. You look fat in that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or trauma seven, not fitting in, not feeling like you measure up to the other guys or the other girls in the school. So you could have a partner that reassures you as much as they can that they love you, but you're still jealous and controlling because those messages still have not been healed inside of you. Mm -hmm. That's one example. If you have experienced a lot of abandonment, you could have codependent relationships. You could have toxic relationships where the pattern is break up, get back together, break up. And that average of breaking up and getting back together is seven times. 
according to research. And consciously you say, I know he's not good for me. I know I got to stop seeing him. About 10 days or two weeks go by and then you start missing him and craving that love due to the abandonment factor in your childhood. So that's that attachment. Yeah. Due to attachment. For women, there's a lot of people pleasing in women. That could have been, for example, a woman growing up with a difficult, critical or alcoholic mom. So she got her siblings up, got them ready for school, packed their lunches, you know, did all, all this overdoing. So mom went and yell and scream. So she learned if I overdo and keep pleasing her, I'll get some love and I won't get yelled at. Again, they're coping mechanisms that they learn as children. This works for the most part. And then as a woman, I'll hear her come in with a husband and say, I do everything for my husband and my kids. They don't do anything for me. They don't love me like I love them. And then she's burnt out and resentful because of all the people pleasing and overdoing. Um, Men that grow up with a critical mother or that broken mother-son bond will do a couple of things. One, he will idolize the ideal woman that he did not have as a mom. So he'll be super critical of the woman that he'll pick or choose or no one's ever good enough. Um, Or, you know, if she were uh, to say, no, hon, I don't want to be intimate tonight, he looks at that as a critical rejection. And the next day he might go out and seek another female's attention because the wife rejected him. So that can be the pattern of the chronic cheater. Uh, So there's many patterns that can come up. There's often a lot of perfectionism, there's blaming behavior, um, impulsivity. Uh, The chronic liar is someone that may have had that demanding yelling father uh, so, you know, if he was late coming in and he's there, where were you? And he's there, okay, I had tutoring after school. If he lied and got away with it, his mind is saying, wow, lying works. I didn't get beat today or I didn't get screamed at today. Mm-hmm. And then they learn to be expert liars. So wow. these normalized patterns just come out in adulthood and then they sabotage the love you really want. And so it's important that we get, we recognize what's unconscious. We change those fear-based negative thoughts or activities that are hurting you or your relationship. And we go from unconscious to full conscious awareness and create the new patterns that will give you emotionally healthy love. Wow. wow. It's amazing how you summarize so many. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god it, it was, I was listening and I said wow you know it's, it's like kind of thesis uh, it's like it gave so many great points and, um, just, and I know I hope people can absorb all that but uh, let me kind of break down a few out of them so I know I hear a lot of these uh, from uh, a certain um, population they'll say you know I, I do a lot of things and then uh, I please everywhere, but nobody loves me as much as, uh, and that I hear that a lot. So mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about um, what was the behind mechanism for that was because- in childhood- The people pleasing is that difficult parent who you're afraid is going to severely punish you or scream oh. at you. So you overdo to please them and make sure that, you know, that's the way you gain love. 
so so that's your attention on gaining love and you keep on doing it in your adult life keep already. doing it and it um, just becomes a normalized pattern mm-hmm. okay. now i also want to ask you and a lot of people ask and this is about kind of a little different topic or same topic it's on relationship now why is that that we have now we are so advanced and we understand relationship and we study a lot i mean we have so many theses books and everything but if we look at the you know relationships overall there is a lot of unhappiness there is yeah lack of uh, you know relationship as we had when we were growing up seeing our parents and uh, for some reason they didn't have all this but they had better relationships uh, so where did we go wrong well again it's the unhealed trauma so trauma is shown from many studies to go through the generations mm-hmm. so if it's not stopped and healed with one partner one parent mm-hmm. and bring up their children differently mm-hmm. you know then things just keep progressing down the generations mm-hmm. nothing changes it was funny i was on the beach the other day with six of my peers and like i said i'm from the baby boomers and i said my mom never said the words i love you and all six said the same thing we never heard those words mm-hmm. and i asked my mom i was 24 years old and this was after i had my first daughter and i said well thank you mom for having me i was your child number 4 out of 5 you could have stopped you know and I said I love you. Thank you. She goes, "Well, thanks." And I said, "Well, I have a question. Why did you never say the words I love you?" She goes, "Well, those are words I never heard. We grew up in the great depression. It was all about survival and working hard." Yeah. And I said, "But your children need to hear those words, mom." So as a mom for me, I did everything that I would have wanted from my mother. telling my girls all the time i love you i'm proud of you great job you can do whatever you believe in and two daughters out of the home and successful by age 19 and 20 became from those empowering messages mm-hmm. and i knew like i had to work harder against those messages that were negative you know um so as parents if you can learn the mindset for success which is written in my live book it will really help to empower your kids to be successful down the road mm-hmm. you know everything matters everything that is said and done as a parent uh to enable your kids towards success okay now uh, other thing i want to also ask you and this is actually very interesting i never knew that that here also people i thought that's more of our asian culture that you know uh couples don't express uh, as much as love uh, you know older way. of course my parents and all that age zero expression i mean the most expression they would have is you know writing a poetry or maybe reading that and that's but that doesn't say that i love you it means like expressing love uh, <laughs> right. so so say so, but that's the way it is i mean that can be taken as um it was the way the people practice correct it. we do have to consider the cultural norms and i work with people all over the globe so i do consider their cultural norms and what they grew up with um i had a really wonderful young girl from india and her father was very strict and demanding never said anything complimentary would not allow her to date 
and she's 32 and she comes to me, she goes, I have no idea how to date. I don't have the confidence to date. I'm scared to death of men. So all this demanding critical father taught her is I'm afraid, you know, so I had to work with that cultural norm and she eventually had the courage to reach out and tell her father how she felt through a letter, which we call a therapeutic love letter, it can be written to a parent or to a partner. And it really helped heal the relationship. You know, basically her message was, this is what I experienced, but as a woman going forward, I would like to have a more loving bond with you as my father. And he mm -hmm. responded well to the letter. You oh, know, so sometimes the kids are teaching the parents you know, how to have those more loving um, conversations and those feelings expressed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, that is, I think, uh, really a nice uh, way because, I mean, uh, now I see uh, there is, and maybe, maybe there's another side um, that there is definitely expression there. You'll see all kind of texting and say, I love you, blah, blah, blah. But they, they don't mean it. You know what I mean? So it's like the now we are going to the, maybe the other extreme. There's too much expression, but not actual feeling. You know, it's mm. like roses are there, but there is no fragrance. You know what I mean? So yeah. that, that uh, kind of is also, you know, it, I see that also a lot, you know, that a uh, lot of uh, kind, they say, no, he's very lovey-dovey, everything, but when it comes to doing things and he or she is not there. Right. So that, yeah. that, that is to me is also very important. So yeah, it's very important that when you're out there dating, you look at someone's actions, not only their words. Yeah. And there's red flags that you want to be watching out for, for toxic relationships. And I have those, uh, in my quizzes uh, on rihannamilne.com and my website, mm -hmm. that if someone tells you like on the first date, I'm in love with you, I wanna be exclusive with you, or it's looking to marry you very quickly, that's actually a red flag and that person could be sociopathic, trying to manipulate you, pull you in, uh, love bomb you <laughs> to get you to you know fall in love with you quickly. It's almost like a, a desperate need. Um, so you have to be very astute in today's world. Unfortunately, there is a lot of sociopaths out there. And for our listeners, that's someone that uses another for pleasure, profit, or lifestyle advancement. And the psychopath is, does the same, but with a more criminal mind. Um, so you have to be very careful and cautious and know um, what your traumas are, what you may be prone to fall for. Um, and get educated, you know, get the education that we did not get in our schools. Like I for my master's in psychology, I didn't hear once the word childhood trauma, not once. Mm -hmm. So it's a fairly new concept. Um, and, and I know there was one really great study from the Kaiser Permanente group out of San Diego with the CDC that they uh, looked at 17,000 different people who suffered with overweight and obesity and they showed if tr childhood trauma is unhealed, that it, er it really lends to early death and disease, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, irritable bowel, migraines, all kind of physical mm -hmm. ailments, right? Yeah. But in their ACE test, which stands for adverse childhood events, they did not include bullying. 
They did not include abandonment. Uh, there were so many things that I'm thinking, how could they not include that? You know. So later on down the line, they added it to their list. But And my list came out in 2012. It's just called the Childhood Trauma Checklist that I use with my clients. And it was all from working with students of various different ages and then women from the prison system, you know, who had childhood trauma and my clients' trauma as kids. So it was only basically hands-on as a psychotherapist and then a coach, what they endured and then what was coming out as an adult. And when my love partner, you know, was sabotaging our relationship and couldn't figure out why, and I was at like, I don't know either, but I'm going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And that's where I was. I was at the point where I don't know where I don't know, and I've got to do this so I can heal. Mm -hmm. And my psychotherapist friends had no idea what he had. Mm -hmm. So um, that's what led me on that journey. Yeah, and that, that is, I, I think, for also for audience sake, I mean, this topic is such important and you are so experienced in describing all that. And I wish we had many shows with you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'll be glad to come back. <laughs> so, and maybe, you know, there are so many topics which we can go one by one. And I, I felt discussing all that, I said, wow. You know, just so knowledgeable, and I wish we could do more topics. And I promise now, you will definitely have you more, and we'll discuss more. But also before kind of we end today's talk, uh, for any general uh, things which anyone should do uh, to improve their overall dealing with kind of multiple traumas. So of course, uh, you still need to see or seek help with the professional. And we always encourage that because do not do Dr. Google or all the answers are not on Google. So please right. do not try that, especially not with mental health or with, uh, you need really a coach, a professional um, like Rihanna is. And uh, there are other coaches too nearby, of course. So she can't take care of, every location so i wish but you know we cannot i'm global so i yeah. work totally through the internet now so i can work with okay. anyone globally which is great yeah. yeah no that is very good and we i say i wish we could clone you and have every, <laughs> and every location but that would be an interesting thing but uh, anyway so what are some of the general things anybody should do uh, to actually make them more resilient on. Okay. Well, the, the healing is different for everyone. I describe it like a puzzle because I first assess what were the childhood traumas you experienced, the top 10. Okay. Then I look at the severity levels. How mm -hmm. bad was the abandonment or the physical abuse or the verbal abuse? And then three, how is it coming out today? So if I have a couple that comes to me, and I work with both straight and LGBTQ couples because there is no prejudice at all when it comes to childhood trauma. It's the same type of patterns over and over. But, you know, I have to look at the traumas of partner A and then partner B. And then the third entity is the relationship. So what are they suffering from and how's it show up in the relationship? So once I get to the bottom of each person's trauma, I explain it to the other and we come up with new communication skills for when they might be emotionally triggered. Here's an example. Let's say a man's off to at work and his boss yells at him and says, what's the matter with you? How could you make do this mistake again? 
And all he hears is his father screaming at him, you're no good. What's the matter with you? So he's emotionally triggered. Normally before coaching, he'll walk into the house, bad mood, take it out on the wife, maybe yell at her. And she thinks he's yelling at me again. I hate him. So that's that toxic pattern, right? If with coaching, this happens, he'll walk in, he goes, hun, something happened today. My boss yelled at me. I know it's emotionally triggered because my dad used to say the same thing to me. So I may be a little quiet tonight. I actually need a, just an hour nap just to lay down. Then I'll join you for dinner. And I just want you to know this is not about you. And I love you. Totally different response. Okay. So that is a huge learning and a new communication style for a couple. So that's what I do for them. For the singles, the very first important thing is that we have to get their childhood trauma healed before they go out dating. We look at all their life spheres and their desires for their life. What do they want to do? What are the goals and the dreams? Because you can't go out there looking for someone to save or rescue you. You have to go out there with the mindset as I'm the whole package. I love my life and I'm going to choose someone that matches where I am. So the more confident and uh, self-esteem that you have about yourself, the better partner you're going to choose because you would never put up with someone that has cheap drama or anger issues or anything else that you need to clean up. You want someone else that, that has their life together. Mm -hmm. So that's the first part of the half that I would do with singles. And the second part is then I teach them the dating skills that we never got from our parents are in school. So the consciously, you know, to be consciously aware, to ask questions on date one or two that would qualify who's emotionally healthy, who's not. We do understand everyone has experienced childhood trauma, but we're looking for the fact that it's been healed. So are they into self-growth? Do they have some sense of spirituality? Do they have joy about their life and their career? Or are they miserable in their career and they hate their mom still um, or they're always in debt? You know, so we are looking on that first or second date, whether we want to go on to the third date or not. So my clients know the questions to ask if they are the right match or not and why. So that's what we call conscious dating from full conscious awareness. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, um, I think such a great, uh, so you individualize. So that is, I think is a key is for audience to know is that not all the solutions are for everyone. So they has to be individualized. And that's yes. why we said do not go with Dr. Google because <laughs> you know, the, that, that does not help. Uh, so right. please uh, get us professional help and also stay safe. Uh, of course, uh, basic principles always work is take care of your health and, you know, and get plenty of sleep, get good nutrition. Right. Of course, um, the more physically you are fit, the more emotionally uh, your well-being will be also. Because if you are unfortunately um, struggling with uh, health issues, then it'll be very difficult for that's another trauma on top of all the traumas. Yeah, I mean, I do vitamin therapy with my people. Every one of them do a meditation I call divine spiritual meditation. That's very important because in science, it is proven meditation lowers anxiety, depression, your cortisol levels, which is fight or flight anxiety. 
your blood pressure, and then increases dopamine and serotonin levels of the brain, which are your happy chemicals. So I do everything naturally, holistically. And yes, I look at sleep patterns, their diet, um, their stress levels, you know, how are they doing in their career? I do a lot of career coaching if they would need that. So it is very individualized and my clients have a 150 page notebook. So how they fill out their worksheets and give it to me, I see what's going on for them and then I can guide them back. So it's a very interactive team approach with me and my client. And, you know, the transformation happens quite quickly. Um, but with all trauma work, it says it usually takes about six months to feel completely healed and joyful and at peace. And if you are emotionally triggered, you know exactly what to do to get over that quickly. Okay. And that is, thank you for coming. And the original show was 30 minutes and we are already 48 minutes into it. <laughs> and I, I can go easily another hour. But I think uh, I would love to have you come back and kind of uh, we'll do more focus, I think, sessions on few. And thank you. That would be great. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope it was helpful to our listeners. Oh, yes. I mean, I, could, I, I learned a lot. I mean, I learned a lot. And thank you. Thank you. And stay safe and keep watching our show. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.